This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Nord and Ever podcast, an Andre Gray Hattrick Bet Memorial special. Hopefully you've all been following James Bird's hot tips all all 17 times he's recommended it. Finally came in, we'll have a lot to talk about on that later. Joining me today are Natalie, James and Tom, but we'll start with talking about the whole game. The podcast might be quite similar to last week's where we had a, a bad away game to get out of the way first and then... A good home game, but Hull away, Tom, we'll start with you. You were at the KC Stadium, weren't you? It's not impressive, and there must be some parallels to the Middlesbrough performance. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go to the Middlesbrough game, but from what I heard about it, it was very similar. Uh, didn't look like scoring. Their keeper didn't have anything to do. As soon as we went behind, you never thought we were going to get back into it. It all turned very one-dimensional, long balls to folks. And, yeah, it was a very, very poor performance. And, uh, you know, Hull are a decent team. Obviously, Middlesbrough are a decent team, but that's the worry, obviously, that we're not getting the points against the decent team. Or looking like doing so. The first half wasn't too bad, though, was it, Natalie? It was after the break when it really started to go wrong. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, I didn't go to the whole game, but I have watched it since. Uh, I seem to feel like I want to do this to myself for some reason. Um, and I actually, I, I didn't think we were as bad as some people have made out um, in the first half. The, the biggest problem in the first half is that we created absolutely nothing. Um, so it, it was just as if we'd gone there to try and settle for a nil-nil draw and then we had absolutely no plan B when we you know we, we conceded a goal. Uh, but to be honest, yeah, I think, it, I think it was pretty even in the first half. So what went wrong after the break? What what? Why do you think Hull looked so much better than us, Tom? Like, is is it something to do with the tactics? Is it personnel? There was. I agree. I mean, I think the first half was quite even. Uh, Hull had a few cha- a few half chances. They didn't really particularly like scoring in the first half. We didn't like scoring either. As you said, I think it was more just Hull had a bit more impetus in the second half. So being at home, there's a bit more of an impetus on you to attack. And like you say, once they got that goal, then. It, it really did put the onus on us and we didn't have a response to that and I think obviously we've got to open open ourselves up a little bit more when we're, when we're a goal behind hold find a bit more space that kind of thing uh, I, I think that's all it was really I mean it was quite a close game in the first half and I think the first goal looks the last few games we've played the first goal's been a massive one and I think it was again James there's got to be some concern over results 
compared to results against poor sides compared to results against good teams. I know a lot of the, the teams at the top, we tend to have played them away, but we've not had good results against Borough, Hull. Nil nil at Derby was okay in hindsight. Why do you think we're finding it hard to, to beat the good teams? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, the, the good teams are good teams for a reason, and they're always going to be more difficult to beat. Um, but, you know, I think a big part is that, as you've touched on, we've mainly played the big sides away from home, and I think, um, you know, maybe in previous promotion seasons, we haven't necessarily won those games, we haven't lost them. And I think that's, you know, what we're missing here, that we, we've gone away and we've been beaten rather than we've gone away and we've got strong points against other strong sides, um, you know, and then wait for them to come to the turf to beat them. But ultimately, I think it still comes back to what we've been saying all season, that we're still not really playing at our best, even though we've now scored four a couple of times. I don't think we've seen what this side's really capable of. Well, that's obviously positive that we started scoring a lot of goals, but people are still saying we're not playing to our best. And there was a lot of talk after the whole game then about changing to, changes to the team. Um, I suppose it could be described as knee-jerk, but I think it's fair to say when we, I think at that point, failed to score in four of the last five. Not not only that, we'd not look like scoring in a lot of those games. Um, there were three changes in the end for Bristol City, weren't there? But two of them because of injuries. Um, when you saw the team, James, were there any big surprises? You must have been delighted to see Kitely in the eleven. Yeah, it was an absolutely massive surprise to see Kitely's name. Um, I'd forgotten he existed, to be honest. Him and Stephen Ward. I was like, they have to get they might have been cryogenically frozen or something. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Stephen Ward's in a bigger one. He's not been used at all, has he? But at least Cartley's occasionally been allowed to almost warm up off the bench. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was changes that were needed. Um, you know, at the back, I, I wasn't surprised to see Duff Duff get swapped out because, you know, it was two games in 48 hours. And Bristol City, while they may not necessarily play the best football, they have quite a bit of pace up front. And he seemed to struggle at Ashton Gate and... You'd expect, obviously, having seen that, that they'd come in with the same game plan this time around. Um, and as for on the wings, I mean, I heard a case made that George Boyd will always be picked ahead of Kiley because he's better defensively. But personally, I thought Kiley, you know, more than put a shift in defensively, and he's he's not afraid to put a tackle in, even if he doesn't necessarily cover the same amount of ground that Boyd does. Um, and and Marnie was a surprise to see come out, but it, you know, we hadn't seen. Um, the you know the same signs from Barton and Marnie that we had some from Barton and Jones, so maybe it wasn't such a surprise. I suppose Marnie the same as stuff. You maybe wouldn't expect them to both play ninety minutes, two games in three days with Marnie still probably building up his fitness. Um, Tom, you always want a reaction after a poor result or a poor performance, then. And although Bristol City were obliging opponents, maybe it's fair to describe them as such. It was. It must have been quite satisfying to see us put a team away quite comfortably again. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you could see it was similar with Charlton last week. When, when, once they'd conceded one Bristol City, you could really tell that their heads went down, the lack of confidence. And I think you knew if we got that first goal that we were going to win. But the, the pleasing thing I think about uh, about yesterday's game was that they didn't, uh, apart from a bit of a spell at the start of the second half, they carried on playing well in the second half, which you, you haven't seen a, a good 90-minute spell, I don't think, from us too often this season. First half, I think it's Charlton, they weren't very good. But they played well for the majority of the first half. 
first 20 minutes of the second half, they dropped off a bit, but the last 25 minutes, yeah, they were playing some good stuff again. The two goals that we scored in the second half were really, really good goals, really good team moves, really good finishing. So it was good to see that they, that, you know, there was a bit more confidence there to go on and, and to stick some goals on the goal difference. I don't think it's any um, surprise to anyone that the, the star man was Andre Gray or Andre Bay, as I'm going to start calling him. We're going to make that thing. Andre Bay. Yeah, we're all having that, Andre Bay. Oh, <laughs> I'm not having that. I'm not having that. Can no, we knock that on the head right now? <laughs> Being shot down. I've been looking forward to doing this <laughs> over two days. Oh, sorry, <laughs> You can have it. You can have yeah. it, Jay. Yes, yes, sure. I will. Andre Gray then, three goals. He didn't look at his best at Hall, did he? But he bounced back in style, Natalie, in the first goal in particular. Really showcased what Gray is all about. Uh, absolutely. That first goal was absolutely sublime. That touch and turn he took when the ball fell to him was absolute class. Um, I was... I was quite surprised, actually. I think we've mentioned this on podcasts before about Deitch's management talk and his relentless positivity and his, you know, his, his um, you know, refusal to, to criticise anybody. With that in mind, I was quite surprised at the end um, in his post-match interviews where he did say quite openly that he'd been disappointed with Gray's performance against Hull and that he, he was a little bit off par and he, he wanted a reaction from him. Um, but he certainly got it. It was uh, he was he was great. It, he was like ruthless completely. He was great, great. Oh dear, um, James, we've got to come to you. Then you've been tipping the, the hat trick for for weeks and weeks and weeks, and you had a a mighty one. You had a mighty one pound fifty on it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, obviously, as the season's gone on, um, I have realised that maybe it was just not meant to be. Um, and I wanted to put less on it, but at the same time I was like, "Well, you know, if it does come in, I'll be kicking myself. I didn't put anything on." So you know, one pound fifty at thirty-three to one. Yeah, it's, it's better than nothing, isn't it? I'm slapping the face of the wet fish. I'm the opposite. I was chasing losses, so I've been putting a fiver on it. I had a tenner on it. I was sat on whatever day it was. So in Christmas and New Year, I've got no idea of the days, but yeah, I was chuffed. I had 10 quid on at 25 to 1, so happy days. Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm a very, very infrequent gambler these days. Very infrequent. My, in fact, I, I've been playing off the winnings from uh, Peter Sagan winning the World World Race Championships, which is obviously cycling. Um, and then inexplicitly, uh, Bet365 paid out for Andre Graby in the third goal against Huddersfield, which he wasn't. But they paid out, so Thanks. I've happily. Other bookmakers are available, yeah. so I've, I've happily reinvested that money into them, and eventually won again. Thanks to uh, Andre Gray. So cheers, right. Andre. If, if you are listening, thanks a lot, Andre. You've all um, made it a very happy Christmas on the Northern Ever podcast. Thanks, Andre. <laughs> Tommy, he'd scored a couple three games in a row. He, he, he seemed to have a bit of a mental block. He'd never had a football league hat trick, although he scored hat tricks for for Luton. Um, I suppose we're just going to be expecting him to get hat-tricks every week now, are we? Let's hope so, yeah. Let's hope so. I think it was a bit more of the... Let's hope James puts more than £1.50 on it next time. <laughs> <laughs> Might start backing it myself. I've been backing Michael Keane for the last three months. He's due a goal. He's due a goal. <laughs> Maybe next for week. For a hat-trick? Don't follow that tip, but I'll recommend that. <laughs> well, oh, you'll, you'll be laughing when it comes in next week. 
there's already right. some rumours of. Oh, I suppose it's inevitable, isn't it? Whenever a player's doing well, he's down top of the goal scoring charts by a distance, 15 goals to the season. Um, are there any fears that we could lose him? You expect the club will resist as much as possible. Yeah, I'd be surprised to see him go so soon after after we bought him. I think it would take silly money to for someone to come in, and I don't think anybody is going to. When you've well, when you've got someone like Charlie Austin, you can get for a lot cheaper. I don't think anyone in the Premier League is going to pay over the odds for Gray. When I mean, he's obviously really good on uh, on Monday, and he's he's looked really good in some games, but he's been badly lacking others. I mean, she already touched on the whole game where I thought his head dropped after half time. He wasn't getting the service, and he he really didn't look like a a six nine eleven whatever it is million pound player at that point. So yeah, I'd be I think he he could do with another season with us, or at least seeing out the end of this season with us. Uh, but I think it will take a lot of money to, uh, even in the summer to surprise him away, and I don't know if he's really worth that kind of money just yet. The, the club got some criticism for selling players, but I think more fans understand that. Players outgrow the club sometimes, and players like Ings and Austin and Rodriguez and Trippier as well. I don't think there was any um, bad feeling really when when the club had to sell those players. But if 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 we do get offers in in January, Natalie, it, is it going to be as straightforward as the club just being able to say no? Obviously, surely our promotion hopes rest quite highly on Grave. Grave does leave that affects our ability to finish in the top six quite badly. Uh, I, I agree completely. Um, I would be absolutely amazed, um, same as, as what Tom said, if we even entertain any bid for him. I expect there to be some interest. Um, there always is. Um, but I, you know, with, with a player like Gray, sorry, um, but I, I fully expect it to be an absolute no and, you know, there won't even be any prolonged saga of Willie Walton. I expect it to be hit on, you know, hit on the head pretty quickly. Um, if he did go, we may as well just stop playing right now because not not just for this season, for the future that he's building for this team and all these plans that he keeps, you know, telling us he's putting in place for the future of the club or go if we revert to being the kind of club that spends all that ground uh, breaking money on a strike and then sells him six months later I think yeah, it just goes against everything the club's told us for the last 18 months um, You'd also think that as long as Gray stays fit and keeps scoring goals James he's only going to get more valuable so it makes sense to keep him as long as possible surely he's still going to be a burning player at the end of the season isn't he? Um, definitely I mean you know you don't you don't often see players who've moved for that money um, move so quickly straight after um, particularly no, not when we're, we're well in the hunt still obviously for promotion so I can't see him particularly wanting to move on either Isn't there some sort of rule about not being able to play for more than two clubs in one season or something as well and obviously um, for Brenton, Brentford before signing for us There is something but I can't remember how it works or whether it's is it a calendar year or is it a season or I don't know what the rule is either. There definitely is something about that. I remember seeing it before, actually. Obviously, the newspapers are just going to print the grey rooms anyway, <laughs> regardless of what the rules are. Um, one noticeable thing about Gray's form is that of his 15 goals, 13 have come at home. He's only scored one goal away for us at Rotherham. Um, it's, it's no surprise that strikers score more at home than away. That's quite typical, but... Is, is that a, a tiny little concern about Gray's performances this season, James? That just on the road, he doesn't look quite as effective. Is that because we don't have enough of the ball or the tactics aren't right? Why, why do you think it is? Um, I'm not sure. That's a that's an interesting question. I can't remember who it was, but there was another Burnley player recently, was there, who for ages only scored at one end of the ground. 
Um, I think that's that's quite common. I think most of our goals come when we attack the Jimmy McElroy's down, which is why we tend to want to go that way a second half. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some stat that most most of our goals at home are at that end. But uh, apparently previously the ground used to slope that way. But whether the Cottrell was... said something about a slope, didn't he? And a lot of people are like, what's the on about? Yeah, um, but I actually think the ground was levelled a couple of years ago, so maybe not. But... Um, no, it is interesting that he's not really scored away from home, but um, I mean, obviously in comparison, we've not really scored much away from home yet this season, um, particularly now we've started banging them in at home. Um, but I wouldn't be too concerned yet, really. As long as he's scoring, it's only a matter of time before he starts adding more away from home as well. OK, well, we'll move on to the, the defence. The new look defence, Tom, with Duff dropping out and Stephen Wall coming in. Ben Mee is a centre-back that's been getting rave reviews. What did you make of his performance? We keep being told he's a centre-back, but he's very rarely played that for us. Yeah, I was a bit unsure about bringing him in. At Obviously, I think everybody was clamouring for that. And to be fair, Duff did have a, a really poor, especially the second half against Hull. So I think a change was needed. I was a bit unsure about playing Mee at centre-half because, like you say, it's been a bit, uh, very few and far between that he's actually played there for us. And he's always looked better at left-back. But I thought he was absolutely fantastic uh, yesterday. Really, really good. He put a foot wrong. Uh, won all his headers and it, the big thing as well was when you take Duff out of there you think perhaps they're slightly on the inexperienced side uh, especially Keane but me did he did look like he'd been playing there for years he was really really good so yeah it was, it was really encouraging to see and it's it's good to see that we've got that option to work Ward into the team as well because I thought Ward was really good as well at left back a lot more ability on the ball than Ben Mee has going forward so that gave us another dimension I thought so yeah that was a really good uh, whether it was an enforced change or not it worked out really well for us um, the only slight question mark I've always had about Ben Mee as a, as a central defender now is his height. He's not quite as tall as most modern centre-backs. I think he's just shy of six foot, isn't he? And most are, are well over. Is, is that a bit of a concern? What What did you make of his performance? Um, I agree with Tom completely. I was, um, I'd been calling for, for Ben Mee to move into the middle for quite some time. Again, particularly given the poor performances Dufford had put in. Um, I had absolutely no concerns with him on Saturday. I thought it was outstanding. I actually thought he improved Keno's performance as well. Um, it was quite interesting. Keane was a much better playing against Ben, sorry, playing alongside Ben Mee as he did with Dufford in previous games. The height thing, I agree. Um, he is on the short side. It didn't. Um, it, it didn't strike me as obvious that he was struggling on Saturday, and that's against. If you looked at the um, at the, the city side, they're a very big side as well. There's some really tall players there. He didn't seem to struggle. Whether he will against better sides who are not only taller but are also quite physically demanding remains to see. Uh, but I certainly didn't have any concerns on that score on Saturday at all. Okay, just to clear up what we were talking about, Gray, we've just checked it while we recorded the podcast. Um, James has found that you can be registered to more than two clubs in one season, but you're only allowed to play for two, um, which I suppose means someone could technically buy Gray and loan him back to us. Um, but also British clubs seem to not always pay attention to that role anyway, so um, it's probably something to keep an eye on. Someone will probably clear it up better than we have, but there is a rule... Um, that you can't be registered, you can't play for more than two clubs. Um, James, what did you make of the defence? I suppose it's difficult to assess too much because the opposition was not great. No, I think it says uh, that Bristol City didn't really present any challenges on this occasion. Um, but as I said earlier, I felt that Ashton Gate, you know, they caused uh, Michael Duff issues with their pace, but I mean, there was no evidence of that 
about this time around. Um, but you know, they seem to work well. Uh, ben Mee's de- you know decent in the air, and and apart from um, obviously one sketchy pass at four 0 he he looked absolutely solid. Um, Michael King looked good as as he usually does, um, and Ward looked you know very good at left back. I mean, for me, the only worry is I don't really think we've seen uh, Loughton tested properly at home yet. So I think for a lot of fans, it's still getting quite a, a rosy picture. But from you know what we've seen at Hull, he was absolutely shocking there. And as I said before, I've got a friend who's a Villa fan who said that his defence, uh, his defensive abilities, uh, leave quite a bit to be desired. Um, but they are masked by his ability going forward, which could be a little bit of a concern going forward. Uh, no Dean Marnie for the for the, the Bristol City game, so David Jones came back in. Tom, were you a bit surprised that Jones was the one who, who was left out for the last couple of games? Uh, it's a difficult question, that, because I, uh, I don't think James has done anything wrong particularly, but then neither has Barton. And you have to say, Marnie gives us something that Jones and Barton doesn't in the middle, which I think is a bit more dynamism. Barton's got a bit of that, but you seem a lot deeper in the last couple of games. I think Marnie will push out more, he'll press the full-backs more, opens up the pitch a little bit. So I think you have got to drop one of Jones or Barton. And I think with Barton's pedigree, and to be fair, he's not done much wrong this season. So I'd have to say, yeah, out of the two, you probably would be looking at dropping Jones. But having said that, I was happy to see him come back in and I thought he played really well again on Monday. So, yeah, I don't think it was a, a big uh, a big surprise, really. But, so. You're not happy with David Jones' hair, are you, James? You know, <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say unhappy with it. <laughs> I'd just say... We, don't, we did a whole thing about hair on players on the podcast before, didn't we? But, yeah, I just wondered who the stranger wearing number 14 was. I noticed that the, um, the Borough game that he was growing his hair about. So I don't like it. I think I, players should have to have the same hair all season so you can recognise them easier. Well, I didn't think not having hair was a, a choice. I thought... He was bald, yeah. Uh, you know, decent head of hair. Uh, however, that has appeared to be wrong, at least from my rather distant viewpoint uh, in the James Hargreaves. But yeah, it, it just made it a little bit confusing when it looked like someone you'd never seen play for Burnley before. But it's the same with Michael. Maybe he's had work done. Maybe he's had a, a Rini transplant or something. Marnie grew his as well. There's a time when Jones and Marnie were both having hair. Is that what you're doing? I mean, Michael Cartley's done it occasionally as well. Because I'm used to him being a, you know, a number one all over, and then occasionally he grows some hair, and you're a bit like, who's this guy? It's like a new yeah. signing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That, that's what it is. It's a, it's a trick. It's like that's why we dropped him, give his hair a bit more chance to grow. Um. So then when he played next, you were like, oh, I've not seen this guy before. Who's our new number fourteen? We talk about consistency with Kyle. Maybe it's consistency regarding. Um, how short his hair is. Anyway, moving on from hair, we've probably talked too much about hair. Um, Steve Cottrell's comments after the game were quite interesting. He said that if if Bristol City had two or three Burnley players in their team, then they might have won the game. Um, I suppose he's right to say that, Natalie. If they had Gray up front and maybe Keane at the back and Barton in midfield and we didn't, then it'd be a closer match. But not, that's an odd thing to say, isn't it? Oh, he's, he's such a clown, I swear to God. <laughs> Every single time he re-emerges, I just, I can't even listen to him. I listened to about a second, I was like, I can't even deal with him. But just some of his comments, I mean, they are they are struggling, the City, and I think they're, they're quite possibly the worst 
um, side we've seen. I thought I actually thought both Charlton and Dons were better. Um, I thought Bristol were really, really poor. So they're clearly struggling, and he's clearly feeling the pressure, and he's on the rope. So you know, I, I don't begrudge him coming out there with some fighting talk and saying, you know, the match does. I think he actually said at one point that if, if we hadn't, if he hadn't have cons- conceded the second goal, they would have gone on to win the game which I don't really know what game he was watching. But yeah, Steve, I'll tell you what, we'll swap the teams around and you can have all 11 Burnley players and you'll win the game. Easy management strategy. Maybe that's what he's going to try and do when the transfer window opens. It'll be, be interesting. I suppose for Cottrell in particular, Tom, it's a case of here's what you could have won, obviously. Bristol City tried to sign Andre Gray and he said no and ended up coming towards and He scored four goals against them this season because he scored against them. For Brentford as well, he must wish he could play against Bristol City every week. Yeah, I think they've had some trouble signing players in general, haven't they? From what I've, what I've seen, they, I don't think they've added to their squad at all. It's similar to what we did when we went up into the Premier League, so sort of stood still, and that's why they're struggling down the bottom. I did think that was a bit of an obvious thing to say that uh, if you'd had three of our players, they might have won the game because then it would have been uh, 14 versus 8, it would have been slightly easier at that point. <laughs> 14 versus 8 would, would be. Um... A more interesting game, um, Natalie. I think the only everyone feels quite upbeat after a comfortable home win, but same as last week. Is there any reservation about it's a poor opposition? You'd expect to beat them anyway. On the podcast last week, we were all talking about three nil, four nil, these sorts of results. Ipswich coming up is going to be a much bigger test. It's surely the proof is when we go and do that to a team that's a rival, not somebody who's going to be in the bottom six at the end of the season. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's a definite concern. Um, I think I think um, somebody tweeted a, a stat at the end of um, the whole game to say that we've not actually beaten any of the teams in the current top eight this season at the halfway mark, which is worrying because you know we're supposed to be pushing for promotion. We're supposed to be pushing for automatic promotion, and if you can't beat those teams around you, that's not going to happen. Um, Saying that, um, I, I don't think they were as as bad, um, but we struggled against a, a Preston side who were at the time supposed to be struggling for relegation as well. And and you know down at the bottom, as it turns out, they've had a little bit of um, a run together and, and are playing better than they did at the start. But we have we have played poorly against the poor teams as well. So I'm I'm not entirely sure that it's it's a good team versus bad team. Um, problem. I think there is a general inconsistency um, in our team at the moment, and and we've just we just need to just find some form and keep hold of it, regardless of the opposition, whether they be um, top six contenders or relegation fodder. Well, what's worse for me is that we scored four in each of our last two home games, but then the four other games we've not scored at all. It's, it seems like a big disconnect. Um, have you got any theories why this is the case, James? It's we're obviously more comfortable in some games than others it it makes you wonder if it's a preparation thing maybe there must be something Um, yeah no it is interesting obviously we're now so successful putting the uh, the ball in the net against the weaker sides at home Um, uh, and we seem to really struggle against you know the the better calibre sides particularly away from home but I, I think even when we have scored four goals we've not necessarily been at our best we just seem to have been a bit more Clinical when we've we've had the opportunities, and I think obviously playing um, the poorer sides, you're more likely to get those opportunities for you. And you know, I think we have, even though we've scored four twice now, I think we needed a lot more than four chances to to get those. 
And obviously the reality is against some of the bigger teams, you might only get four chances in the game. And if you want to win 4-0, you're going to have to put four out of four away. I suppose it's, it's obviously good news that Gray looked particularly sharp in the Bristol City game after not being his best against Ford. He's, he's not been scoring a, a lot recently, so hopefully his form will continue. Um, in, term of, in terms of the team then, Natalie, the changes that were made... Um, Duff rested Marnie out for probably short term he might be in contention again for Ipswich um, Boyd I don't think is a serious injury either so perhaps those changes were all sort of forced on, on Dash but do you think he's, he's going to stick with the same 11? Oh he should <laughs> whether he will or not I don't know I think there was a quite a funny atmosphere certainly on Twitter before the game on Saturday there was some kind of euphoria spreading across everybody's timeline when the team was announced and the changes that we wanted for such a long time were actually happening you know Duff had been had been rested and, and Kitely you know and Boyd had been dropped it was like an hallelujah moment then there was a slight dampening of spirits when everybody realised that they actually were injured it would have been interesting to see whether Deitch would have made the same changes had Marnie and um, Boyd not been injured. I'd like to think so, but I just, I'm just, it, Boyd, I think the back four will stay the same. I think Duff will get rested, shall we call it, for a while now. Um, I think he'll persist with that back four and see how it goes. The danger area is Boyd and Kitely. Um, I, I really, really worry that, if Boyd's fit again on on is it Saturday, Saturday isn't it? If Boyd's fit again, then he'll drop Kylie again and bring Boyd back in, and that'll just be an absolute nightmare scenario because Boyd does not deserve his his, his shirt at the moment, and Kylie did way 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 more than enough on Saturday to justify another start. He performed better over the ninety minutes than Boyd's done the entire season. Um, so I'm I think I'd like to think that he starts with the same team, with the exception maybe of of taking Jonah out and putting Marnie back in. But this is Dyke, and he could easily bring Boyd back in easily. I don't, I don't really know what to expect because we know he likes to settle the eleven, but. I don't think the eleven was what he considers to be his best. I I like the look of that back five. I think Ward at left back. Everyone knows my feelings about Steve Ward. Purely platonic feelings about Steve Ward. He obviously ranks below Junior Stanislaus in my affections, but I'm a big fan, and um, I think me alongside Keane is the future as well. But there must be a reason Dash has, has waited so long to do it. So we're halfway through the season. He obviously doesn't see that as his strongest back five. Do you think it's going to be all change again? It would be quite unlike Dash to make three changes for one game and then three changes back. It, what are you expecting him to do? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Natalie that I don't think any of the players who came in did anything wrong. I don't think any of them played badly. I think I think uh, Ward was an improvement on Ben Mayer. I think Carly was an improvement on Boyd. But he has got his favourites. Uh, I thought it was strange that in I mean, when Ward had his last run in the team, he was brought in for me. He played really well. He didn't do anything wrong. Obviously, he got an injury. He was out for a while. But since then, he's not had a sniff coming back in. And I thought, I expected, like you said, I expected that before now, we would see Ward get another chance at some point and we would see the me team partnership. Um, I was really disappointed, actually, when I heard the interview after the game and Dice said, oh, you know, Duff's got a minor knot, Marnie's got a minor knot, Boyd's got a minor knot, because I really did think when I saw the lineup, as Natalie said, you know, oh, brilliant, he's actually, he's actually bit the bullet and made these changes. But it, it did. It did sort of throw that into doubt. Are we going to see Boyd back? Are we going to see Duff back? Um, 
I find it really, really hard to to second guess him as to what he's actually going to do. Whether he is going to bring, whether he's going to bring uh, Duff and Boyd in particular back. I can see Marnie coming back in. Uh, going off his previous form, I can see Ward staying in, and I can see Boyd coming back. Unfortunately, I agree with Natalie. I don't think he's done enough to to waltz back into the team. But I just he's obviously uh, he's obviously a big fan of Boyd, so I can see Boyd back in the team. But hope, I do hope that he gives Ward another chance tonight. I do hope he gives Ward another run because whenever he has had the opportunity, he's always impressed. I think it would send a bad message for me if Kitely comes in, does pretty well, and then Boyd, who everyone knows Boyd's not playing well, if he then comes back in straight away, I think that would be quite odd. So I'm hoping it's the same again and you won't get me saying that on the podcast very often. I normally want the scene to be changed. But I want the same 11 for a change. What about you then, James? I'm sure you think Kitely should be staying in at the expense of Boyd, but any other changes that you think are, are worth doing? Um, I'd like to see the same again. I think if you um, you know if you get a positive response to a, a change like that, I think you've got to reward the players who've come in. Um, they're saying that I wouldn't be surprised to see Ward drop back out and and Duff regain his spot. Um, you know, if it was just a case of two two games in 48 hours being too much for him. Um, Obviously, if Boyd comes back from his knock, then I could see that Dash would definitely be tempted. I mean, I've heard that some people maybe say because he's better defensively than Kylie, but I think, you know, while he obviously does do a lot of running, I think Kylie gets back and actually puts a foot in where I think it's quite rare to actually see Boyd make a challenge. He, he definitely comes back, but I'm not sure you'd say he's keen on getting a foot in. Um, but I, I think, obviously, Kylie had a decent game. He's you know, some of his crosses left a little bit to be desired, but you know, he, he started brightly. He got his man, and obviously he was instrumental in the the hat trick goal for Gray. So, you know, he, he almost deserves a little kudos as well for winning us all a bit of money. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> uh, that's 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 about all we've got time for on this week's podcast. Um, obviously, it's which home coming up next. We'll round off with predictions, but firstly. Thanks to our sponsor at Novel G. This will be the last podcast sponsored by Novel G. So thanks for um, sponsoring us for the last couple of years. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to everyone who listens. If you've got any feedback or questions or or if you want to come on the podcast or anything you want to ask, you can get on touch via Twitter at NoNaneVerNet or you can email us at podcast at NoNaneVer.net. Next podcast will be after the Ipswich game and it'll be back to recording on Mondays and hopefully being out on Tuesdays. Now we've got Christmas out of the way um, and Happy New Year as well and hopefully everyone has a nice Christmas but we'll round off with predictions. Tom, we'll start with you. Ipswich at home, Mick McCarthy's team, not in the greatest of form but they're always going to be difficult to beat. What, what's your view? Yeah, I, I don't think they've been doing too badly recently actually. I think it's, I think it's the best time to play them. Uh, they're not too far behind us uh, in the table. Um, so it'd be a win's really important to put a bit of daylight between the top five and and the, the chasing back again. I think I don't think we'll breeze it like we have done the last two home games, but I think we've we've got enough to win. So I'll go for a, a two nil. Natalie, I think it's going to be another comfortable win. I think confidence is going to be high, and I am going to go three nil. James, what's what's your hot tip? I'm, I'm going to go three nil as well, and I think Michael Cartley chips in with a goal if he plays. No, no Andre Gray hat-trick? No, he gets two. <laughs> Only two. <laughs> a, a poor game for Andre Gray then. But that is it for this week's podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.